You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All righty. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 16 and uh, put your finger in John 14 as well. We'll be in both places. We are in a sermon series. It's a unique and important season in the life of our church. In this sermon series, we're calling It's Your Turn. And uh, we believe our church has been given a turn that God has uh, created an environment here. He has given us an opportunity to do ministry here uh, that we've never quite experienced, that we're excited about. We stand on the shoulders of millions of Christians that have gone before us, those that brought the gospel to our country, planted churches in the Northeast, then slowly planted churches in the Southeast, and one of those churches planted in Knoxville was Grassy Valley Baptist Church. And that church later would change its name to Grace Baptist Church. Later, under the leadership of my father, Ron Stewart, uh, Grace Church of the Foothills was planted in 2009. My wife and I moved out here. We later would change the name to Foothills Church. And uh, along our journey, God has given us several turns to do things that uh, required some risk, required faith. Um, And the people at Foothills Church have taken that step and experienced um, an incredible movement of God. Personally, in our lives, he has grown us, and, and he has also changed the lives of so many people in this community. And now, those that are here today are now a part of that journey. And we believe it's your turn. It's, it's, it's our turn again, that, that together, God is calling you to do something specific in your life. He's got a vision for your business, your family, your relationships, your future. And that vision connects in some way with God's vision here at Foothills Church. And so you're to be uh, called to be a part of that, to serve, to give, and to do your part in the role and, and mission and vision of what God is doing here at Foothills Church. And so this series is, is helping us recognize what that turn is, uncovering some things in our life that we would connect to. And, and ultimately, I want you to pursue what the Lord is guiding you to do in your life. I know as you do that, that will intersect in the overall guidance and vision of Foothills Church. And so for some of you, that means your next step is gonna be baptism. And so you've, you've committed your life to Christ, but you've never been baptized December 1st, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. It's your last chance to get baptized in 2019. So I hope that if that's you, you'll take that step, go to the Connect Center today, make that commitment. For some of you, it's to go to the next step on the journey. You've never been to base camp. You've never been to Camp 2. Camp 3 is also in January. And so if you've taken Camp 2, you're ready to begin to discover what it looks like to be a leader and how God wants to develop you as a leader. And so that's what we do in Camp 3 and excited about what January is gonna bring. Last Sunday and in the video we just watched, we're reminded of what the problems are here at FC, some of the the good problems that we have. Um, That first problem is our kids' area is overcrowded. We've talked about that. We've talked about how our parking lot is overcrowded. So we're we're thinking about ways that we're gonna be able to uh, create a solution for these issues. We've got a huge need in our community. You may not know this. Let me remind you that we're in the top 10 counties in the country for drug addiction. We've got a huge need. There's a huge problem here. I believe God has awakened our hearts to the issue. He wants us to do something about it. So that's why when we say, hey, we need to create parking, um, as we get land to do that, uh, our heart is that we would develop a counseling center that would begin to meet those needs in our community. We get calls every week and So honestly, we just don't have the capacity to keep up with the need. And so God has burdened our heart for that. 
We know God has called us to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. And so our Jerusalem is Blount County. Our Judea is Knoxville. Uh, the ends of the earth are the places that we've chosen to connect to in London and, and uh, Zambia and Africa. And so those are the ends of the earth opportunities for us. And you know, we believe that God wants us to start a new location, uh, a second location in Knoxville. And so all of this comes with a price tag. And so we, we uh, I believe we've been led by God to like, see what these opportunities are. I think under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, our elders, our pastors have prayed through this uh, for a long, long time now. I feel we're clear that this is, this is the step into our future as a church. And, and so we, we also know that vision requires fuel and, and the fuel behind the vision is resources, our resources. And, and so uh, that's where we all come together on December 8th for a vision offering that will catapult us towards this vision. And so it's a one-time gift that I wanna ask all of you to, to make a commitment to, and, and it's also a one-year commitment. So I'm gonna give on this day, and I'm also gonna give over and above my tithe for the next 12 months in 2020. And, and I truly want this to be a guidance from the Holy Spirit moment for us. Me specifically, I want that for my life, and I want that for your life as well. I don't want us to just come in here and just say, yeah, whatever I got, I want us to really wrap our minds around the big picture of what God is doing in this place and how he wants you to get involved. And, and I'm totally believing that God uh, is going to provide, God, uh, God's people will provide. And, and I, I just know that we're gonna take this step as, as a church. And so uh, that's what this series is about. Today is, is really focused on how do we get that guidance. Um, for us, we, we know that when we begin renovations, it's also gonna cause some like strategy issues. How do, you, how do you have church on Sunday for kids in a kid's space that's also being renovated? If you've ever remodeled your house, you've done any kind of house projects, you know it's hard to live in that and remodel that. It's a really difficult kind of thing. And so the way that we feel like will help us manage that tension uh, during this season is to go to three services. We think that if we go to three services, that will open up some parking in each uh, service opportunity, which gives us some space uh, before those projects are completed. We also believe that it will shrink the size of how many kids are actually here per service for a season, which will allow us to utilize the space in a better way. Um, and so we believe that's probably gonna happen in February. And so uh, in, in large part, it's gonna depend upon the vision offering and how uh, God provides. And so we'll make those decisions um, in the beginning of the new year and let you know. So it's gonna require a lot of change on our part. That means if you're volunteering, things will change. That means it will change you know, your, your routine on Sundays. And so we look at that and I know a lot of people would look at that and say, man, I don't wanna change. I, I, I like what we got, I like what we're doing. And, and we gotta step back and realize it's not about me. Like more people wanna experience the gospel. More people want their kids to be a part of the kids ministry and student ministries on Wednesday night. But like we have to get out of the way of God's hand and God's movement and take the steps that are necessary for us uh, as a church. And so if we follow God's guidance, we believe we're gonna get there. Um, and as we enter December 8th, the vision offering, uh, I want it to be a decision that you make from the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and not just something you think that you can give or something that you even just wanna give, but that you would truly spend time in prayer if you're married with your spouse, looking at your resources and finances, how has God blessed us to be a blessing and, and really come to a decision together 
from the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I believe if we can do that as a church, then we're gonna have everything we need to take the step God wants us to take. Every year, Mike and I, we, we pray about this for several weeks. And then the week before the offering, we come together. We've done this for the last five years. We'll write it down on a sheet of paper and then we'll slide it to each other. We'll flip it over. For the last five years, it's been the same number every single time. And the reason why that happens is because we talk about it, we pray about it, and we feel like it's from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you do that with your spouse and it's a different number, don't fight and argue, just pray more. (laughs) Just figure it out together. That's part of the journey that you get to discover God's guidance and spirit in your life as a family. Today, I wanna talk about how we can actually do that, how God guides us in those decisions. We make decisions every day. If you're single, you're making decisions about who to date, who to not date. You're making decisions in, in school. If you're in school, like how am I, what kind of a student am I gonna be if you play sports? If, you know, if you're in business, you're, you're looking at what kind of leader of this business or organization am I gonna be? We make decisions every single day. How do you, how do you get guidance for those decisions? Um, when we, uh, nowadays, every time you go on a trip or you're, you're driving, we all have an app you know, that we use on our phone like to get us there. And so, you know, for, for me, I just use the Apple Maps. I'm, I'm an Apple Map guy. How many of you are Apple Map people when you're traveling? You're kind of dependent on Siri. Uh, some of you are Google Maps. Some of you are Google Map kind of app person. And then some of you feel like you're really cool and you, you do Waze. Anybody do Waze? Like you're super inspired. So no matter... What you use as far as app, you know, you type in the location and then you kind of just follow whatever, whatever it says, you know. Uh, a few weeks ago, Mike and I were out of town. We were going to the mountains and uh, we type it in, you know, the, the phone and Siri's telling us where to go. And, and uh, we're, we're, we're like in the city of where our destination is, where our hotel is. And, and so all of a sudden, like we find ourselves on like these, these back roads, like these little tiny, very narrow back roads. We're, we're on the side of a hill. There's like this cliff there and, and uh, cars are zooming by us and Mike is starting to kind of get a little nervous and freaking out. She's telling me how to drive because I've only been driving for 26 years and I still don't know how to drive, I guess. I don't know. I don't, your wife probably doesn't do that. But anyway, so here we are and, and uh, you know, we're, 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 we feel like we should be close and we're still on these back roads. And so I just pull over and I kind of zoom out on the app to, to discover that the hotel we're trying to find is literally like 100 yards away from us. It's like right there. And uh, for whatever reason, Siri thought, you know, traveling the, the, the cliffs of death would, would get us there, you know, maybe one minute sooner, I guess. And so, you know, the app that you choose to actually get you to your destination is one thing, but the other, the other thing that we wanna think about is what you choose to guide you in your life is a completely different matter, right? You've, you've listened to different guides in your life. For some of you, uh, you make choices and, and you listen to talk show hosts and they help you make decisions or maybe you podcast a certain person and they help you make decisions or you have a certain friend that has given you advice and so you go to that person for advice. We all have different people that we go to or that we experience that we get guidance from. There are a lot of people in life that, that want to give you guidance and there are plenty of guides out there. The question is, are you listening to the right guide? I know we've probably all listened to the wrong guide from time to time. Some of you have listened to a friend who gave you really bad marriage advice or dating advice. You're like, dang it, why did I listen to that dude? You know, you've listened to, you know, a a popular actor on TV and, and you've heard their view on sexuality and then you walked away and you started doubting God's word about it. 
We listen to the wrong guides and it steers us in the wrong direction and we end up making mistakes in our life that end up harming our future, harming our relationship. That happens to all of us. But Jesus actually promised that he would send a guide for us. He actually promised that he was going to send a guide that would help us make decisions, that would empower us, that would direct us, that would speak to us, and that would comfort us along this journey. If you've got your Bibles in John chapter 16, let's look at verse seven. Jesus makes a statement to the disciples that I'm sure was a little bit scary for them. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. So Jesus is saying, I must go away so that the helper will come. Now, if I'm a disciple, I know what I'm saying. Whoa, 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 Jesus, no, 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 no. Bad idea, we don't want you to go, we need you to stay. You stay so that you can tell us what to do, we love hanging out with you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I can't stay, it's actually better if I go. Now how in the world could it be better for him to go? Well, Jesus had a physical body, right? He's fully man, so he can't be everywhere at the same time. He's in one place at a time. And, and so for, for him to go away, he's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he is going to be in you and he is going to live through you. He's gonna empower you. And the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is everywhere present. He is not bound by time and space. And so the promise is that I'm leaving, but I'm giving you something even better, even greater. It's more intimate. It's my spirit within you, right? That's good news. Here's what it says here. In verse 13, Jesus goes on. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you that the things are, what things are to come. And so he's saying he's gonna guide you. So how is he going to guide us? That's the question, write this question down. Like how is he in fact going to guide us today? Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So here it is. This is, this is the answer to the question, how does the Holy Spirit guide me? He tells us right in those two or three verses. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. He reveals what you need to know. Verse 26 He's saying that the Holy Spirit, the guide, the helper, is going to come and he is going to show you what you need to know. He's gonna guide you into all truth. Now, this is huge for us. How does he guide us into all truth? Now, the Spirit does so many things in our life. He, he allows us to have faith. I mean, he, without him, he, he, we wouldn't even come to faith. And so he draws us to the truth. And so he reveals truth to us. And then he, he grows us. He challenges us. He protects us. He protects our mind from lying to ourselves. He gives us uh, the, the grace to grow in our faith. He's doing all of these things. But, but here specifically, I want, us to, I want us to dial in on this truth, that the Spirit is going to reveal to you what you need to know. Now, there are some questions that just, we just don't have answers to. Why did X, Y, and Z happen to me? Like you can't turn to a chapter and verse to get that answer necessarily oftentimes. But what the Spirit tells us and what God promises to us is that he'll tell us everything that we need to know. And how does he tell us everything that you need to know? It's right here in this book. 
the very words of the, of the gospel are right here given to us. And so the spirit of God speaks to us. These are his words and he reveals to us what we in fact need to know to live a life that honors God, to receive eternal life and that help us make decisions on an everyday basis. Who wrote the Bible? The spirit wrote the Bible. You see, the spirit is a person. It's not just like this ghost that's floating around. He's a person. He lives within me. He lives within you. And he wrote the New Testament. He wrote the, he wrote the Old Testament. And so, yes, he used human authors to write this down on paper, but it was his words that spoke through them. And so in the Bible, we see that we're, we're called to actually embrace this uh, life and, and actually begin to live this, this spiritual side of us that is, that is within us. And so here's what Paul says in Ephesians 5.18. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. How are we filled with the Spirit? Well, by faith in Christ, the Spirit is given to us at the moment of conversion the Spirit is given to each and every one of us, and so we're filled at that moment, but, but now he's also telling Christians here to be filled with the Spirit. So wait a minute, are we talking about the moment of conversion or is this something different? Well, I think it's something different. Elsewhere, he says this in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So in order to be filled with the Spirit, in order to let the word of Christ dwell in you, I think what he's trying to let us know is that we have to have the words of the, 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 the scriptures within our heart. And when we know what the truth of the gospel teaches us, when we know the word of God, it is filling us, the spirit. Why? Because it's the words of the spirit that are right here for us. And when these words are in us, it is filling us. We are filled with the spirit by being filled with his words. And that's how, how the word of Christ dwells in us richly, is when we know the truth, when we know what it says, when we follow it, Listen, this is, this is key. Everything that happens to us in our life, we need to interpret it through the lens of the Bible. We don't just, you know, something happens and we watch it on the news and we take the, you know, the TV show host, how they spin it. We, we just believe that. No, we wanna interpret everything that's happening to us in our life in this world through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of the scriptures. You might say, I've looked at it, Trent, and when I read it, sometimes I just don't understand it. You see, this is another part of the, the work of the Holy Spirit within us. This work is called the illuminating work of the Spirit. And what the Spirit does within us is he illuminates our heart and our mind to the Scripture. To the scripture. In other words, it's almost like flipping a light switch on. You've read a verse a hundred times. You've heard it preached a hundred times. But one day, the illumination of the Spirit flips a switch in your mind, in your heart. And it's like, oh, now. I get that, now I get it. I didn't understand it quite, and, and, and now I get it. What, what is that? Well, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, illuminating your heart to the truths of the gospel. And so that's why we pray, God, speak to us, uncover our eyes, help us to see it. That's why this journey of, of, of growing in our faith is, is like, like patience and digging into the word. And, and, and the power of the Spirit working in us. Like this takes effort. It's why not everybody gets there. It's why not everybody is growing today because we're not, we're not pursuing the Spirit in our lives to illuminate our heart. Now, this week is Thanksgiving. Can't believe it's already Thanksgiving, but you're gonna show up at Thanksgiving with some, with, you know, some relatives. Cousin Eddie's gonna show up. He's gonna be across the table. 
and uh, you're going to be eating turkey with him. You, you see him twice a year, right? And there he is. And you're going to be tempted to want to talk about politics. You're going to be tempted to want to dive into all these, you know, arguments and things like that. And then, you know, before you know it, you and Cousin Eddie are going to be arguing about stuff. And then you're not going to see him for a long time. And so, so what, what do we need to understand when it comes to the things of the Spirit, the things of the truth of God's Word? Remember, we're not in a battle against flesh and blood. It's, it's a spiritual battle. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 teaches us about the Spirit. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit. So someone who does not have faith in Christ essentially is the person who doesn't have the Spirit, and they're not going to accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers, fo- considers them foolishness. So they're not going to accept what's in the Word of God. They're actually going to consider it as foolishness. And they... they In other words, they even cannot, like they are spiritually incapable of understanding them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. This is a powerful verse. It kind of helps us put into perspective why you might be having arguments with people who are not believers in Jesus because there is an incapability to understand the things of the Spirit unless we actually have the Spirit living within us. And so I would encourage you not to get into the argument with Cousin Eddie, excuse me, this week, but in fact, share God's love, talk about the gospel, talk about what God's doing in your life, talk about what God is doing in your church, and let that testimony be the encouragement that he or she would hear in your life. You see, we, we, we have a desire for the truth. Well, the only way we can know what we need to know in this life, the only way we can know what the truth in this life has to offer is through the Spirit. And the words of the Spirit are right here, and He helps us understand what it actually means and how to apply it. Here's the second thing that we learned here in this chapter. We learned that the Holy Spirit reminds us what we need to do. So He tells us what we need to know, and He also reminds us what we need to do. When I am discouraged, when I start to feel anxiety, when I start to worry about things, the Spirit reminds me of Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus and are called according to his purposes. Oh, okay, thanks for the reminder. Even though it feels out of control, I know you're in control. You're working all things for good. I can trust you, God. He'll bring to your mind a sermon that you heard. He'll bring to your mind something that maybe a parent said. He'll bring to your mind something that somebody said in small group. In that moment that you need it, the Holy Spirit will remind you what you need to do. And so we have to listen for that reminder, that voice. He already knows what you have in your mind. So he knows the scripture that you have in your mind. He knows what you've learned about the gospel. And so he can bring that to your attention. Now here's the question. Like if the word of God is not like richly dwelling in you, there ain't a lot up there for him to remind you about. You know what I mean? And so some of you are kind of searching and kind of, ah, I don't know, I don't know. It's like to be reminded, you've got to put more stuff. You've got to put more of the gospel in your heart so that he can remind you more of how to live and how how to flesh out some of these decisions that you're trying to make. Now, I don't know about you, but my memory is not that great. And the older I get, the worse it gets, you know? And so uh, for me, I always take notes. So if it's a sermon, I'm taking notes. If it's a lesson, I'm taking notes. If it's my wife telling me something I need to do, I'm taking notes, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we've, all, we've all forgot that deal. That didn't go well. And so uh, I gotta take notes. And so what the Spirit does in my life is like, it'll be a reminder of a sermon or a thought or something that I heard from somewhere. 
and I won't know exactly where it is in the Bible or whatever. I'm like, gosh, I can't remember exactly, but I know I heard something. But because I've taken notes in Evernote is the app that I actually use. And so I write it down there. And like, if I have a thought, I know it's something about baptism. And so I just go to Evernote and I type in baptism and then boom, it's right there. And now all of a sudden the spirit kind of reminded, not kind of, the spirit reminded me I remember it's kind of an Evernote. I kind of go there and now it blesses me. But even more importantly, not only does it bless me, but now I can share it with somebody else. When God puts me in that environment and that situation where somebody is hurting or somebody has a question about something, I've already got it. Uh, he's already reminded me. I'm ready to, to share that. So he wants us to remember. Now, he wants us to remember these things so that we'll actually know what we're supposed to do He's not just gonna remind you so that you can sit back and say, God, you're so good. Thank you for reminding me you know, about that. And, and that's just great. And then just go about your day. No, he actually reminds us to actually do something. Think about it like this. I've got four kids. Three of them are teenagers. Please pray for me. Every day, pray for me. I've got three teenagers. Um, and I'm praying for all of you that have teenagers as well. We need all the help we can get. Um, let's just say I tell them to clean their room, right? And so, you know, the room is filthy, dirty laundry everywhere, Sprite cans, you know, Snickers and Reese wrappers everywhere from Halloween. And it's just a mess, you know? And so you walk in there, you're like, you need to clean your room. And, and, and then I remind them, I'm reminding you, you have got to keep your room clean. And then I walk away. Now, it does them no good to, to sit on that pile of dirty laundry and go, our dad is so good. He is so right. What he shares is so important in life. <laughs> no, that is not good enough. I want them to get off their keister and clean their room. <laughs> I want them to, to get off their tail and do something with what I just told them to do. Now listen to me. Some of you are educated far beyond your obedience. You know what you're supposed to do. You've read it. You've been to church. You've heard about it. Your parents told you. You gotta get off your tail, man. You gotta start doing what you know to do. Some of you have been in this church and you, for years and you still aren't serving. Some of you have been coming to this church for maybe months or years and you still don't give anything to this church. Some of you gave less than $500 to this church all year. I mean, at some point, like I'm just, I'm just kind of, at some point you gotta just look at your own faith and, and say, is it real? I, I, I don't know, because if it's real, then I would be responding to the truth that I know, right? You've heard that baptism is the first step after you put your faith in Christ, but for whatever reasons, you keep waiting. Next Sunday, it's time for you to stop waiting. You're waiting on grandma from Kentucky to be here and Uncle Jojo to be able to move. Listen, we'll record it. They can see it. You need to stop being disobedient and follow and trust God in the waters of baptism. How can you expect him to bless you in 2020 and, and reveal all this other cool stuff that he wants to give to you if you can't do the one simple thing of taking the next step that you know is the right step for you to take, which might be baptism, which might be serving, which might be getting into a small group. You see, he reminds us so that we will actually do something. Um, I love this story in Acts chapter eight, one of my favorite uh, chapters and, 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 and stories in the Bible. In Acts 8, 29, uh, a guy by the name of Philip is told by the Holy Spirit to go next to a chariot. 
Now, he didn't know what was up with the chariot. He didn't know anything that was happening, but the Spirit gave him a prompting, kind of nudged him. You've experienced this. As a believer, you've experienced this prompting, this nudging. Go talk to that person. Send that person a text. Ask this person if you can pray for them. Go bless this person in some way. You've experienced that. And so Philip, he gets a prompting to go to the chariot, and he walks over to the chariot, and there's an Ethiopian man in the chariot. And so we don't know much about this guy, but the fact that he's in a chariot meant that he was a high official. The scripture says he was a high official, so we know he was a very prominent, wealthy man. He was actually reading a portion of Isaiah the prophet, which for someone who was not a Jew to be able to have a copy of Isaiah would have been unbelievable. So we know he had some kind of authority and some kind of prestige. And so here's measly old Philip, and he walks over to the chariot because the Spirit prompts him. He hears him reading the passage from Isaiah. And then Philip says, hey, um, engages him in a conversation. He says, hey, do you know what you're reading about there? And the man says, no, I, I don't have any idea. I wish there was somebody that could tell me what this guy is talking about. And the very passage of scripture he was looking at was talking about the suffering servant, the Messiah that would come and have to suffer for our sins. And so Philip goes into the gospel and he explains to him, yes, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sin and which paid for the, the, the debt, the penalty for our sin that you could not pay. And he died for that. And he rose on the third day, giving us hope and victory over sin and death and our future home in heaven if we put our faith and trust in him. And, and the Ethiopian man gave his life to Christ in that moment. And they're still traveling. They're, they're, they're still going. And as they're going and they're having this conversation, they come across some water. We don't know if it was a river, a creek, a pond, whatever it was. There was some kind of water. And the man says, why shouldn't I just go ahead and be baptized right now? Look, there's water. And Philip's like, absolutely. There's no reason to wait. Go now. December 1st, Baptism Sunday, by the way. Go back and read in the New Testament, by the way. Every time someone comes to faith, they are then baptized. They don't wait. They didn't get sprinkled as a kid. Never, ever, ever in the New Testament. Do we see that? They get baptized after their conversion experience and they don't wait for months and weeks and years. They do it immediately. December 1st is next Sunday. Have I said that today? Am I? It's next Sunday, right? It's time for you to take that step. What I love about this story, though, is that here's Philip, like, just responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He had no idea what God was about to do. He had no idea that he was going to have this conversation. He had no idea this guy was going to come to faith. And listen, when he woke up that morning, I guarantee you, he didn't think that he was going to be the guy to take the gospel to the continent of Africa. He never even dreamed about it. But you know, the oldest churches in the world have been discovered in Ethiopia. And I think it all started with a simple prompting to go get a ride in a chariot. And there was a humble guy who was a willing servant who cared about the gospel, who cared about people who were not like him, by the way. And he decided to engage in the power and movement of what the spirit was calling him to do. How many opportunities have you had to do that? Where did God wanna take the gospel from a simple conversation that he was leading you to take, but you didn't take it? All right, let's forget that. Let's forget it. Let's think about this week. What could God do in your heart, in your life, if you said, you know what? I'm gonna listen to that prompting, and as soon as I feel it, I'm going. Write that text, send that card, call that person, take food over to this person, serve this area, serve in this ministry. There's a need, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna respond. Every time you respond, 
what you're doing is you're strengthening that muscle, so to speak, that listens and hears the Holy Spirit of God. Every time you say, eh, I don't have time, eh, I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. That was just kind of a weird thought that I just had. I don't have time for stuff like that. Every time you reject that, you weaken that muscle that hears and responds to the Holy Spirit. So as soon as you experience it, as soon as you have that prompting, boom, go for it. Remember, it's the Spirit that's speaking through you. You don't know how much God has used you in the past and wants to use you tomorrow. You've said something in small group. You said something to, you know, a roommate or, or a friend, and, and it was just kind of an offhanded comment to you. But when you said that, the Holy Spirit took those words, and, 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 and somewhere in their life, the Spirit illuminated their heart, and they were like, oh, wow, I needed that. And maybe they didn't say, oh, that was the most amazing thing. I'm good. No, they probably don't. What I'm saying is you don't know the power of the Holy Spirit and how he's using you in your life. Philip is taking the gospel to an entire country. He didn't even realize it. He just simply caught, caught a ride on a chariot. And I think God wants to do the same thing in our hearts. He wants to do the same thing in your life. Uh, for me, uh, I, I liken it to an experience that I had uh, a few years back. Some of you probably heard some of this story, but um, I always wanted to surf. And, um, and so here I am at age 40, I, I decided I was gonna try it. And uh, I've tried it a couple of times. But when I first went out into the water, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And uh, if you've never tried it, it's extremely difficult. Like you gotta have balance and strength and timing and, and uh, all, all this kind of stuff working at the same time, you know? And so when I first was learning how to do this, I was, I was going out into the water. And as soon as I would get past the waves, I would turn around and, and, and I, would, I would look back and the first wave that was coming my way, bro, I was taking it. I was off, right? There's a wave, I'm going. So paddle, 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 try to stand up. Wham! Down into the sand and, you know, salt water all up in my mouth and everything. And I was getting pummeled, pummeled. I got hit so hard one time, my wedding ring fell off of my hand. I came up, I was like, oh my gosh, it was killing me. And so somebody had compassion on me. It was like, bro, he's like, you, you can't take every single wave that comes your way. <laughs> he's like, you have to wait for the right wave. Not every wave is a good wave. Some waves are short, some waves break too soon. Some, some waves have a riptide in them and, and so you know, it's just gonna rock your world. Like you've gotta wait for the right wave. And, and, and by the way, you're, you're not out here at the right time. It was the middle of the day. I thought, you know, I slept in, had a good breakfast, you know, now let's go out and ride some waves. No, no, no. If you wanna ride the right ones, it's all about timing. And, and, and the best ones come early in the morning, 6, 7 a.m., or late in the evening. About the same time sharks are hungry, by the way. So I don't know how, why that's a good time. Thanks, Lord, for that one. But so it's about timing. It's about recognizing the right kind of wave, right? And so, um, you know, for many of us, we, we just try to create our own wave. We try to create our own timing. God's the only one that can create the wave. He, he creates the wave. We're the ones that recognize when the right one comes and we have the opportunity to surf with him in that right wave. Some of you are, are, are trying to create so many waves in your family. You're trying to create waves in your business, man, and you're going and you're doing and you're, you're blah and you're here and every, all this kind of stuff. Here's what I believe. If you would wait on the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he would do more in the next year than he has done 
or that you could ever do in the next 10 or 15 years on your own. He wants to do more and can do more, but it's about relying upon his spirit and his guidance, choosing the right wave. And then when he is working and when he brings it to you, man, you jump on it, you paddle hard, you stand up and you ride that puppy as long and as far as you possibly can go. We've, we've ridden some, some good waves here at FC. God has brought some waves and it's not been anything that I've created or anybody in our team has created. God's the one that create, creates the waves and we've just been fortunate enough to have a group of people that have recognized that wave and said, hey, that's a good one. Let's jump on that one and ride it. Henry Blackaby wrote a study called Experiencing God several years ago. You probably, many of you have probably done that. And in that study, he says, find out where God is working and get in on it. It's, it's, it's like finding the right wave. And I'm always looking, God, where, where's this wave going? Where's the next one? What are you doing, God? And, and my ears and my heart, it's gotta be in tune and I need godly people around me to help me to kind of guide that and sense that. And, 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 and so do you. Like, where's the next wave in your life that God wants to bring and bless? And uh, I think about the last 10 years and how God has just sent wave after wave of just goodness and grace. And, and uh, even this year, if you would have told me last year that we were gonna write and record eight original worship songs, I would have laughed at you. Like, I don't even know what that means, man. And so here we are today, God just sent a wave of, of mercy and just said, this is it. And so how did it start? It started with an idea, it started with a bit of a burden, right? And then God sends the wave. I believe there's a wave that, that God is sending our way, it has to do with counseling center in this area, I've already mentioned it. Like this is a huge need in our area. We could catch this wave and see God literally transform lives. We could, we could, we could take a step and renovate our kids' space so that not only your kids, but your grandkids and, and kids that are here long after you and I are gone, which by the way, we, we wanna remember this, long after you and I are gone, they'll still be using this opportunity in this space to lead kids to Jesus and grow people in the gospel. It's on us, like it's, it's our turn. We, we've gotta take that step. If we wanna take an, 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 the gospel into Knoxville and start a, a brand new campus, that's not easy. A lot of people don't care about other cities we do. We, we, listen, it's not even about what we care about. It's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Trent, let's take the gospel to Knoxville. This is what I'm calling Foothills Church to do. And so it's, it's ride the wave or, or, or you lose, lose it. You miss the opportunity of how God wants to bless us. Now, along this journey, we're all gonna be tempted. We're all gonna be tempted to get distracted, we're gonna be tempted by sin to get us unfocused on the things that are important in your personal life and in the life of this church. Here's what the, the scripture tells us about what the Spirit does, and I'll close with this. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to resist sin by His power. His power. His power. It's not self-will. It's not just, you know, buckle up your bootstraps and just grin and just get by with it. No, it is the power of the Holy Spirit from addictions to the way that you feel at night when you're alone and, and like, why am I so depressed and why am I so anxious and why do I react in anger like that and, and why did I respond to her that way and I wish I wouldn't have said that and, and why am I always doing this dumb thing? If you've ever said those things, it's right here. The Holy Spirit of God gives you the power 
to say no, the power to resist. And so we listen and we are, we are given this strength in Him, not in my own effort. Here's what the scripture says in Galatians 5. Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So when I'm walking in the Spirit, that means I'm rejecting and not gratifying those fleshly desires that I have in my life. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Paul talks about this in Romans 7. What I wanna do, sometimes I just don't do. Why? Because there's sin. There's that old sin nature that's still inside of me and it wrestles with the goodness that God wants to do. And so it's that reliance on the Holy Spirit to say, God, I need your strength. I need your power. I'm resting in you. I just you know, pour in the word of God in my heart so that he can teach me new truth and remind me of that truth to do what I know he's calling me to do. The Holy Spirit is giving you this strength. He's calling us to this life. He's calling us to, to live through his strength and through his power. It doesn't say that when you follow the Spirit that you're never gonna be tempted anymore. Some of you thought, hey, when we started coming to church, I just thought our marriage was gonna just immediately, thought we were gonna have that breakthrough and boom, everything was gonna be good and, and you've been here for several months or a year and it's still not. And you're thinking, man, what's up with that? Well, when you decide to get serious about your faith, when you take a step deeper, it's not the temptation goes away, it's actually the temptation like takes it to a whole new level. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything godly in your life, everything good in your life. God wants you to experience his plan and goodness and love and grace. And so you've gotta resist that temptation to follow that sin nature. Here's, here's, here's what I love. Here's the promise that God gives to us. 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful. We serve a faithful God, right? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God is not gonna tempt you in, in, into sin in such a way that you would not be able to overcome it. Some of you think what I'm dealing with is so powerful and so strong and I just can't get over it and I can't do it. Yes, you can. In the power of the Holy Spirit, God's not sending anything in your life that he has not strengthened you already to experience. And in that moment of temptation, his faithfulness and promise is that he is giving you a way of escape. A way of escape to avoid the temptation and to refuse the temptation. You're never gonna have an area in your life where you're temptation free. Scripture is never promising us that. We're constantly gonna experience this and we're gonna have to struggle with this. But if we're guided by the Spirit, He'll lead us and guide us into the truth. He'll remind us of this truth and He'll give us the strength and the power to resist temptation in our life. And, and so what does this mean practically? Let's get real practical. It just means that we're gonna have to slow down. We're gonna have to study the Bible. You're gonna have to slow down and study the words of the Spirit of God. You're gonna have to slow down and you're gonna have to talk to God consistently. You're gonna have to slow down and commit your life to community. You cannot do this alone. You need a godly church supporting you, 
around you. You need a small group of warriors with you to help guide you on this journey. I heard someone say recently, you can be busy, just don't be hurried. And I've been thinking about that for the last several weeks. Like you can be busy, but don't be hurried. And, and I think what they meant was we're all busy. We have work, you got kids, you've got homework, you've got stuff, we're all busy. But the danger is if that busyness has, leads you to a hurriedness that distracts you from doing the things, the most important things that God is calling you to do. And so it's a huge, huge difference. I can be busy, but I can also carve in my busy schedule time for me to busy myself with prayer and, and, and be busy at the study of God's word. And so I think that's a big difference. We try to create a 21 day prayer guide for you to make it really easy. It's on our app, it's on our website. You simply read some scripture. There's a prayer guide there for you to follow. Why? Because I want this time for our church to be something that is led by the Spirit of God, not something that you think is right or I think is right, but that together as a church, we're coming around the idea and coming around the power of the Holy Spirit within each of us and what He wants to do. So don't let this guy just be something that, oh yeah, Trent does and maybe some of the staff members, but not like me, I just kind of come. No, 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 this is for everyone. I dare you. I dare you for the next 21 days to read and pray the prayers that are in this guide and see if God doesn't change something huge in your life. I believe you will. Because I believe maybe for the first time you'll hear the Spirit speak to you, maybe like never before. We have an opportunity. It is our turn as a church. It is your turn as a church to step into your purpose to step into a wave and movement of God that is transforming lives and that will for generations to come. But we've got to get up and we've got to ride this wave together. So the question is, will you take your turn? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we walk into this place today with all kinds of things in our heart and our mind. Some people walk in here today having been hurt, walk in here today having issues and problems, Lord, and they're seeking answers. And Lord, I pray that your guidance and your spirit would fill their hearts, would lead them to that truth and continually remind them of that truth. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room would follow the leadership and guidance of the Spirit in their life, that they would give and serve as you call them to. In fact, every person in the room, my, what I wanna ask you to do right now is just to begin to ask God, what do you want me to do, God? Where are you leading me? All over the room, God, where are you leading me? Where are you guiding me? How do you want me to give? How do you want me to serve? an attitude of prayer and worship today as we pray, we, we, we sing, God, we want our life to be built upon you, not built upon a love for money, not built upon a love for our kingdom, but that our life would be built on the hope of the gospel. We seek you today, God, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.